Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Fantastic Minute, the show where we talk about Wes Anderson's Fantastic Mr. Fox one minute at a time. My name is Tyler Boudreaux. And I am Condra Boudreaux. We're the amateur nerds here to talk about Minute 46 of Fantastic Mr. Fox, which begins with Bean causing a ruckus and ends with Fox saying, can we drop it? And we are joined today by a very special guest. Please welcome from Mad Max Minute, Mr. Rick Ingham. Hello there. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for coming. So, Rick, we like to start off with a lot of our guests. Can you talk a little bit about your relationship with Fantastic Mr. Fox, if you have one? Oh, certainly. Well, I can't say that I've had a long, sordid relationship with this movie. (laughs) I will admit the first time I saw it was in preparation for coming on the podcast. Now, funny story, I was supposed to be on a previous minute, but I got tied up. And so I watched this movie weeks ago and... As I went through, I prepped for that first minute, didn't get recorded, prepped for the second minute. I have always liked watching Wes Anderson films because I'm a big fan of his aesthetic style. And one of the things that really hit me first off when I started watching this movie is how well it translates to the stop motion style of this movie. And so I had a great time watching it from beginning to end. And it's a little funny that I didn't seek it out sooner. So first of all, thank you for giving me that opportunity to watch it and forcing my hand a little bit. (laughs) But even though I'm new to it, I still very much appreciate the experience of watching it. That's great. I I think we've kind of gotten that because it's a newer movie. It came out in 2009. So people Mm -hmm. don't have a history with it like they do like Star Wars or 2001 or even Mean Girls, which is a little bit older of a movie, for example. It's it's still newer. And yeah, we're glad to have any perspective on the film. So we're glad that you could obviously come here. Certainly. Oh, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, I'm supposed to I'm supposed to guest on a 2001 minute in the future, which is a movie I've seen like once and literally have like no strong feelings about. So we'll see how that goes. I say that is a drastically different film <laughs> from this one. A little slower, a little longer, just a little bit longer. Um, so we've just got a little bit longer. All right. So we've got <laughs> two distinct parts of this minute we've got the end of beans absolute trash rage and then we have badger's flint mine so do we want to finish up the bean stuff and then we can move into badger at all um so yeah bean continues to trash the place and cause as i said in the intro cause a ruckus i think that's the polite way of putting it the one thing i noted was Michael Gambon has funny efforts. The the frustrated noises he's making are quite funny. <laughs> the one thing I got is Bean's face at the end when he's staring at his cider contraption <laughs> with the wrench. It reminded me of the animated How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the perfectly awful idea face that he has. <laughs> it was like, oh. oh my gosh, it's the same face. So one thing we were talking about last time, Rick, was how much I want to do what Bean did to his trailer. What are your thoughts on his trailer trashing? Oh, I love just the impotent rage because obviously he is a man. He is a master of his domain. He has a certain way that he likes to behave and a way that he likes to construct his world. And he's being outsmarted by a base animal. And just the way he's taking these things around them and smashing them. First of all, I love the motion that they've been able to pull off. The way he's flinging these things around with a little puff of smoke that comes out of the computer is so smooth. And just the amount of small bits that fly off of those shelves and the way they tumble down into little piles. I love 
the image that we're working here. But I equally love the fact that this man should not be getting outsmarted by an animal. <laughs> That's not the natural order of things. <laughs> and the only thing he can do is rage. And I love Bogus and Bunts who are just kind of there <laughs> looking at him, looking at each other, not really sure what to do. And the same is said of his lackeys that are sitting outside the trailer. They're just out there minding their own business, fixing a bike. <laughs> he picks up the bike and he throws it. Poor Petey. Ridiculous. Yeah. I also noted uh, Bogus and Bunce's faces. I thought Bogus looked a little more shocked than Bunce. Bunce was just kind of unfazed. He was like, eh, not this again. But Ricky, I think you raise a really good point. It's kind of that animalistic versus composed side and we see that duality a, a lot more with fox i'm thinking specifically of the scene from the beginning of the movie where he tears into the french toast all of a sudden and it's very comedic how what animalistic he gets you raised a point i didn't even think of that this is bean's version of that mm-hmm. or even juxtaposing it with the other half of or three-fourths of this minute that's this fancy diner uh, dinner party that the animals are all having it's just it's, it's polar opposite it's kind of a classic, like, sci-fi movie premise. Like, is the robot more human than the humans? Except, in this case, like, with animals. It's that Mr. Fox, he's able to press people's buttons in just the right way to make them a bit more animal. Yeah. And it's funny that uh, the thing that pulls Bean out of his rage is seeing his contraption there. The thing that he's built his livelihood on, and he thinks, okay, I've been trying to go this, go about this in the traditional way. Digging in the ground, hunting things out, which kind of sounds to me like fox tactics. You dig through the ground, you try to root out things, but amidst all of this trashing and throwing, he stops and he thinks, wait a second, I'm a human being. I have tools at my disposal, Science. and I can use those tools in a creative way. I mean, those tools, as we will learn, are dumping a bunch of liquid down a hole. Spoilers! It's not particularly scientific. <laughs> but yes, I, I, I think that's a really good point. And I liked, as we transition, I liked your point about uh, Fox being able to push people's buttons, because towards the latter end of this minute, we get Fox and Badger kind of schmoozing each other again. And two minutes ago, Badger was yelling at Fox, and now he's trying to suck up to him. It's it's an interesting turn. Mm-hmm. So yeah, let's transition to this classic Wes Anderson pan. Uh, I'm thinking if, of Moonrise Kingdom, of the kind of the opening scene with Ed Norton walking through the uh, Boy Scout camp, where it's just one long pan. This is the same thing where we pan all the way left to right through Badger's flint mine. It's, what did you notice? <laughs> I listed every single character because we meet lots of new characters in this minute or we finally get better angles of a lot of them. So I can list out who we see in this minute if you want. Or did you have any initial reactions, Rick? Well, I couldn't for the life of me figure out if Phil the Mole was playing an actual, like, song or if this was an original composition for the movie no and that was something i was also going to talk about this minute so we can start with that okay Condra, here's one thing what? so you're going to tell us about the song and then we're going to go through every single character we see you're gonna you're gonna tell us like the species they are in their name and rick and i are each going to give one word description uh description slash 
uh, analyses of them. Okay. All right. Okay. So tell us about the song first. All right. So our song for this minute is Day and or I'm sorry, Night and Day by Art Tatum. Art Tatum is a really famous uh, jazz pianist from the mid. He was in the middle of the 20th century, um, really peaking in the 20s to 30 to early 40s, I would say. Um, he was really well known for like his kind of free flow movement kind of stuff, and he improvised a lot. Mm-hmm. So, like some of the earlier works that we have in this on the soundtrack and in the movie, we get the instead of Andre Duplass or Alexander Duplass composing his own works, he's taken a very famous work for the scene so to go through who we have we have phil the mole stylish oh you took mine (laughs) i was gonna okay in the absence of stylish i'll say he's surprisingly cultured uh we have badger's child who's in the skeleton Uh, costume uh dwarfish (laughs) sort of reminds me of a tim burton character i don't know if there's a way you could say tim burton-esque and not sound pretentious (laughs) <laughs> but I'm going to try it. I say he, I say dwarfish because the way him and the other children are throwing around the dishes, it reminds me of the scene in The Hobbit where they the dwarves what, throw the dishes around. That's what Bilbo Baggins <laughs> hates. <laughs> so then we have two rabbit children who are nameless. Uh, oh, but they're so fluffy. <laughs> they look so soft. <laughs> and presumably these are the ones we saw wrapped under the blanket earlier. Um, we have Stan the Weasel. Uh, Wes Anderson himself. <laughs> now, just to sate my curiosity, Wes Anderson does the voice of the weasel. Right? Yes. Yes. Okay, that's what I thought. Uh, I want to say tech obsessed because he's complaining about Wi-Fi. Okay. Yeah. Or a phone oh. signal at least. Um, yeah. we have Beaver. Um, who cares? <laughs> he's very broad. What did yeah. you say, Rick? He's very wide. <laughs> he, I, I wanted to say broad because it sounded a little bit more classy than just plain wide but no he's just plain wide all right i have two words to describe beaver daddy thick Tyler, <laughs> 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 no thanos would be jealous all i'm saying um tyler did you want to break this up and tell us who is voicing beaver yeah let, let's pause let's pause the one word game I wanted to go back to Phil the Mole. Uh, do you think they animated Phil the Mole so that he's actually playing the music on the piano correctly? I would expect nothing less from Wes Anderson. Yeah, I'm looking at the way they animated this, and he's definitely hitting different keys. Where The angle that we're at, it's hard to judge exactly what keys he's pressing, mm-hmm. but he's definitely not just going the same thing. Slight variations left to right. I would imagine that was a very fun task for, for an animator to work on, or a very arduous ca- task, or both, where they were like, hey, 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 Mike, uh, yeah, you know what you're going to do? You're going to animate this entire piano thing. And he's like, ugh. <laughs> Face movements is hard enough. Now I got to do this. But yeah, so I'm going to talk about uh, the voice actor of Beaver, whom we haven't actually met yet. He's a He's not an actor by trade. He's a producer. He's worked on many Wes Anderson films, starting at the Darjeeling Limited and working all the way up through the Grand Budapest Hotel and Isle of Dogs. Of course, Grand Budapest Hotel was nominated for Best Picture, so Stephen Rails himself is a is an Oscar nominee. Uh, in terms of other movies he's produced, uh, titles that you might recognize but haven't necessarily stuck out in mainstream culture, Me and Earl and the Dying Girl, 
Seeking a Friend for the End of the World, Jeff Who Lives at Home. Got nothing. I've heard of those, but I can't say I've seen them. Yes, I've heard decent things about all of them, but not like, you must see this movies. Mm. Um, yeah, that's Stephen Rails, voice of Beaver. Nice. <laughs> so, okay, who's next, Condra? So then we have Beaver's son, who we've seen a whole bunch. Hungry. Oh, yeah, he's slurping is the word that I would use because I'm watching the video and I have it on mute just because I don't want to listen to it and you guys all at the same time. It'd be too much for me, but I can just imagine if we focused on the sound, he'd be slurping. Stop, Tyler. (laughs) Um, That's too much. Um, This is an ASMR podcast now. No. So it used to be a true crime podcast last couple episodes. Now it's an ASMR podcast. No. All right. So then we have Rickety the Mouse. That's his official name. Rickety. I'm going to go Smole. I'm going to go with Decorative. Not because he himself is decorative, but he's the one putting the garland together. Okay. He's a tailor, so it's also very appropriate. He's like a tiny Martha Stewart. (laughs) Like, I'm going to put this berry on this part next to this twig. I really cherish it. <laughs> then we have um, a female rabbit who, according to some images on the Blu-ray, is Rabbit's X. Oh, <laughs> saucy. Well, that's awkward. Um, uh, forgettable. Slim is the first thing that comes to mind because Rabbit himself is rather stout. But she is very tall, and, th- and the fact that she's wearing what looks like a pencil skirt, it's just accentuating her height and thinness. The magic of a pencil skirt? I guess so, yeah. I don't wear them myself, so I wouldn't <laughs> know personally, but I can only assume. Um, so then we have Rabbit himself. Uh, Ratatouille. That's a bit classier. I was going to go with Guy Fieri. <laughs> Somewhere between those two, I definitely could see yeah. that. All right, so we can pause and I can tell you who voices Rabbit now. Because Who's on, taking us to Flavortown. On theme, uh, Rabbit is Rabbit's voice is a celebrity chef. Do tell. One, one Mr. Mario Batali. No a way! Quote oh. A quote-unquote iron chef. No kidding. Um, he has, Genuinely surprised. He has only, on, on the internet movie database, he has one other non-self credit. So, for example, even in roles where he's said to portray, like, an actor in IMDb, he's on, like, an episode of The Simpsons where he's playing Mario Batali. Mm-hmm. So the only f- other film where he's not playing himself is a comedic thriller called Bitter Feast, which is revolving around cooks, I believe. Cooks and chefs. Okay. Uh, since, since the filming of this and uh, since 2017, Mario Batali has... Uh, been accused of sexual harassment and uh, misconduct on multiple accounts and has kind of separated himself from most of his professional work. So, Oh, no. Maybe let's get away from him, but... Yeah, let's keep panning. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right, so then we have Mrs. Fox. Uh, dope. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, she is such a good part of this movie. And then Badger swoops in and steals some alcohol. Uh Murray-esque. Um, just straight up legendary. <laughs> Anything touched by Bill Murray. <laughs> instantly legendary. Um, we have Mr. Fox. Uh, fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> he's, so, he's so conniving. Good, oh, word. good word. Oh, just... He's a trickster. 
to end all tricksters. Oh, yeah. We've been talking about how he's a trickster stereotype. Mm-hmm. Rightly so. Archetype, not stereotype. Then we have Beaver and Badger's secretary, Linda Otter. Oh, I okay. found her name. <laughs> Secretarial inventorial? She looks like she's taking inventory. Oh, what's that? Mm, there's a word. I'm going to go with industrious because she seems to be taking inventory back there keeping track of everything that they've collected so far so she seems very industrious to me and then the, very cool and then the last full body we see is mrs badger uh she's she's just peeling some vegetables right yeah she's cooking or she's prepping um, stuff to cook uh-huh. what tyler That's you can't word. do your own exercise <laughs> I, d- I decided i would end it comedically by by failing okay in that case, I'll just shout out potatoes. <laughs> Thank you. And then we that works. we do have one more person that you can see in the background, but you can't see their top half. So there's just this little <laughs> these two little legs lying on a top bunk, and I have no idea who it is because uh, it's, sleepy. Yeah, so we have sleepy, and that's it for all the people you see. You can see they they have their legs crossed one way, and they lift up one leg, flip them around. They're relaxing, they chilling as it were, chilling all max and relaxing all cool. <laughs> So any so any other like comments on things from the pan shot? Now this is Badger's flint mine. This is his normal residence, right? I believe so. Yes. Now obviously all of these supplies have been brought in, so they have food to feed everyone. But I think aside from that, the fact that he's opened up his flint mine to everyone that's been displaced by all of the mayhem, that bodes pretty well for the kind of animal that Badger is. Like, he didn't have to open up his home, but he did it anyway. So that seems like a notch in the good column to me. Gaining a lot of social capital. Yeah, he might be... I wouldn't... Would you say he's sort of a rival to Mr. Fox? Like a friendly rival? I would definitely say so. Badger seems to be sort of the top of the social strata where Mr. Fox is striving to be on his level. That's the impression I got, at least. I... I agree. I think you come at a very interesting social dynamic here, wherein Badger is of a higher social class than Fox. He's a lawyer, and Mm -hmm. uh, Fox clearly is from a lower social class. He grew up a thief and has only now kind of gotten himself into this higher position, being writing for a newspaper. Maybe he kind of married Felicity and married into a higher social class. So despite Mm. all of Fox's skills and fantastic natures he's still he's still kind of having to prove himself in a way that badger doesn't have to Mm. little social class theory right (laughs) and so you can tell that this needling that mr badger is doing of mr fox just poking at him with the whole oh i can't imagine losing your tail it's so passive aggressive yeah like it's not it's not like he's trying to tear him down but he is trying to tear him down (laughs) be like hey you know you have had a landfall here, or a windfall, or whatever the proper terminology is, but you, a you're still a, just a fox, you know, and, oh, your tail was shut off, oh, it's so terrible for you, I can't imagine. Yeah. Fox is like, dude, just drop it. <laughs> I wonder, okay. though, um, if there is some of it going in the other direction, too, like, Badger wanting to have the charming nature and, like, what is that like? The the je ne sais quoi that fantastic like Mr. Ooh. Fox. We oui, oui, Jean Luc Picard. <laughs> well, no, like 
Fox just has this charisma about him that Badger obviously wants. We Wait, sorry, I, I need to revise my joke. Wee wee, Steve Zizou. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> but he has this like charisma about him that Badger just does not have. And I mean, Mr. Fox has already like outwitted him, out like spoke him a f in their previous encounter in the lawyer's office. And then even in the, it, like when they were digging around, like Mr. Fox just has a way with words that Badger wants that i wonder if there's some yeah. of that too that, like there's a bit of back and forth like oh i want to be like more beloved by everyone because i have a way with words the way mr fox is yeah i might be reading it wrong i just feel like badger just resents mr fox just a tiny oh, yeah. bit i think he told him not to buy that tree he told him not to do this he told him not to do that and yet here they are about to have this amazing meal with all of these goods and I think it's going to come to a head in a later minute. All right. Do we have anything else for the minute specifically? Let me check my notes here. I wrote, Badger is kind of a scuzz. We already talked about that. <laughs> no, I think we've covered everything. Rick, do you have any other I, final comments? I'm a little concerned by the fact that the woodland creatures have cell phones. We've been trying they... to figure this out. Like, what year does this take place in? Because it seems like it's the 60s, but also, like, they have cell phones. So that kind of puts them at least in the 80s, but probably in the 90s or 2000s. Like, it worries me that the woodland creatures have cell phones, that they're arguing about signal. So who is providing the signal for these cell phones? <laughs> Wes Anderson is opening up this book of questions. That I'm sure he doesn't want people to focus on. Well, he doesn't uh, want people to get distracted by these two side characters having a conversation about cell phones. But he still put it in there. <laughs> and knowing how meticulous Wes Anderson can be with his framing and his art design and all of that ephemera. Like, yeah, I think you can excuse me the, the wondering that I am experiencing right now. Be like, what's up with that? <laughs> We've Here's my thought bats bats run the 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 radio <laughs> the the wireless service okay i was gonna say uh that cats run the the cell service because then they could all be okay i'm getting my cell service from Comcats, and they call them up be like hey i'm having trouble with my phone and the cats are like meow meow sometime between 3 a.m and 5 a.m <laughs> meow meow like, that's a two-hour block can't you give me a little lower it's like nah just sometime in there you know what maybe let's make it 3 a.m and 11 a.m and they're like that's even worse and the cat's like lying in a beam of sunlight like yeah we'll send a technician over there to take care of it sometime but then if I you guess. but then if you tell the cat you're not gonna give it its food it's like oh no we can come sooner Right. <laughs> the only problem I have with that theory, as much as I love the idea of cats being a cell provider, is we've basically come down to the point where, like, the non-domesticated animals have these, like, this intellect, where the domesticated mm -hmm. ones, we see chickens, dogs, sheep, are all really dumb. <laughs> well, that's the question. Do, do you think cats are actually domesticated, or are they playing the long game on us? Mm. To say nothing of the fact that cats are carriers of toxoplasmosis and they frequently brainwash people, <laughs> uh, like scientifically proven, people with this bacteria are literally have their brain 
their brain chemistry is altered yes. by this bacteria that cats carry. What? Uh, yes. Yeah. Did you hear about this on the Judge John Hodgman program, or is this something you know? Oh, this is something that I've heard of many times. Okay. Um, let me see if I can... Uh, I was going to say, I have three cats in this house that I'm in right now, and if I had my door open, one of them would be walking on the keyboard of this laptop I'm using and purring very loudly while I'm recording this podcast, which is something that's happened before. He just wants to be a shining star, Tyler. Let him live his life. <laughs> okay, so let's look up this toxoplasmosis thing. Got any yep, results? I've just posted a link in Ooh. the chat, which is not going to benefit the listeners at all. You might want to check, uh, edit out the fact that I just said that. <laughs> well, no, we're going to put it in the notes of the, the, yeah. the minute. All right. Yeah. So look at but the description. The Mayo is... Clinic describes toxoplasmosis as a disease that results from infection with the toxoplasma Gandhi parasite one of the world's most common parasites. Infection usually occurs by eating undercooked contaminated meat, exposure from infected cat feces, or mother-to-child transmission during pregnancy, which is why they encourage pregnant women not to hang out with their cats all the time. Toxoplasmosis may cause flu-like symptoms in some people, but most people affected never develop signs or symptoms. For infants born to infected mothers and for people with weakened immune systems, Toxoplasmosis may cause serious complications. Symptoms include body aches, swollen lymph nodes, headaches, fever, and fatigue, among many others. And there is a long list. Mm -hmm. And so when you think of, okay, what kind of animal would hook you like a cable or phone company, (laughs) it would be cats. Uh, Because as soon as you try and get away from them, oh no, you've been infected. You can't live without your phone. Even if you're hiding in a flint mine. I see. So the other thing I remember about toxoplasmosis is that it seems to be mostly used for animals like mice Mm -hmm. who normally would want to stay away from cats. But the toxoplasmosis makes their uh, aversion of cats. It like lowers their aversion to cats. So they're kind of dumb and are not are not knowledgeable enough to run away when cats are around, thus making the cats more able to feast on the mice. Mm-hmm. So when the people talk about, oh, she's a crazy cat lady, she wants to have a ton of cats around her because the toxoplasmosis has altered her mind to want more cats around. You've just broken down every wall in my brain right now. <laughs> I am like a different person. <laughs> also, if people are upset with me for bringing up Comcast as a cell provider, might I offer in return cat TNT? Or cat T and T, I don't know. Instead of A T and T, C A T and T. Spectra. I'm trying to think. Oh, up, up, up where I live, we have spectrum, and I'm like catrum. Sprint around the house at 3 a.m. making a bunch of noise. Uh, speaking of living nightmares, uh, Rick, you do a you you do a movie by minute podcast. Tell us about it. I certainly do. I do a show called the Mad Max Minute, which I host with my wife, Julia, and we go through the Mad Max series of movies one minute at a time. We have gone through three of the four Mad Max movies at this point. So we've done the original from 1979. We've done Road Warrior. We've done Beyond Thunderdome. And we are moving on in 2019 into Mad Max Fury Road, which everyone might remember from 2015. (laughs) Furry Road. You can... 
If you're interested in listening to us, you can find us on social media. We're on Twitter by searching for at Mad Max Minute. You can find us on Facebook by just typing in Mad Max Minute into the top bar because that'll help you find not only our page, but we have a closed listener page called Mad Max Minute Beyond Microphone that we more or less let everybody into. <laughs> That's a hilarious group name. And then if you're not a social media person or whatever... You can go straight to our website, which is madmaxminute.com, where we've got links to iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, all of those that you can access right from there. Perfect. You've been listening to Fantastic Mr. Fox Minute. This has been Minute 46. We hope you join us again for Minute 47, in which more critter shenanigans are bound to happen. My name has been Tyler Boudreau. You can find me personally on the Twitter at Tyler Booty. That's at T-Y-L-E-R-B-O-U-D-Y. Or you can follow the show at Amateur Nerds. That's our little brand name. Or you can email us with your questions, comments, thoughts about future minutes at AmateurNerdsPresent at gmail.com. Or you can rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or other places where you find your podcasts. If you are like my film professor whom I just recommended this podcast and only have access to the internet, you can a- access us amateurnerds.podbean.com. I'm really nervous on seeing how this is going to work out. Or <laughs> He's a famous documentary film critic. Or you can find us at the moviesbyminute.com website where you can find all other Movies by Minute podcasters, including Rick. Uh, this show is paid for by Condra Boudreau and produced by Tyler Boudreau. And we hope you join us next time for another edition of Fantastic Minute. We hope you have a fantastic... Oh, wait, no, wait, wait, wait. Whoa. Sorry. Sorry. I almost was going to do the ending. But I've been Tyler Boudreau. I've been Condra. I've been ricking him. And we hope you have a fantastic day. Fantastic. It may be the end of the episode, but it's not the end of the world. <laughs>